Hi, I'm Leah Wheatholter, owner of Workman Forensics, and this is the Investigation Game Podcast. Welcome to the Investigation Game Podcast. I'm Leah Wheatholter, CEO of Workman Forensics in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Today, I am joined by my team, or at least a few of my team members. Um, I'm joined by Megan Brown, Rachel Organist, and Alicia Watt. Uh, and we had so much fun last year putting together a Christmas episode about holiday scams that we thought we'd do it again this year. Only this year we, we did make sure that we have different scams and different stories. And so I think it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, and obviously because it's 2020, we're doing this over Zoom. And so hopefully we don't talk over each other too much. We're gonna have fun. Okay, let's start with Alicia. You're up. I knew it was gonna be me first. I just had a feeling. <laughs> okay, so for this year's scam, as we know, everything's virtual, so a lot of people are doing virtual shopping instead of like going in person. And since we can't all meet up, a lot of people are just, uh, you know, trying to come up with events where they come together without like being in person. So my scam this year is the virtual holiday markets. So apparently some people they're creating you know, some markets where, cause you know, around Christmas you would go to the Christmas market and you'd walk around and like see all the different booths and whatnot. Um, so what some scammers are doing is they're creating events that are like on social media, like Facebook or something, but there's a fee to get into the event. And usually these Christmas markets are free. And so what I, I got this story off of the Better Business Bureau. And I will say there's, I don't have any story attached to this. This is just kind of a, a warning to people that are looking for something to do. Do not, I repeat, do not try to go to a Christmas market that charges you just to enter the virtual market. Different ways that the Better Business Bureau said to avoid getting scammed with this is one, if you notice that there's an admissions fee, contact the event coordinator and ask to make sure that there is in fact an admissions fee. If they say yes, okay, cool. But if they say no, just let them know that they say no, just let them know that they're charging an admissions fee so they can like warn other people. The other tip was to research vendors and hosts and make sure that their sites are legitimate, that their products are real. Um, a little side note on the article I read was that some links to vendors' products or to photos of their stuff might just be a link that downloads malware onto your computer. Yeah. So some of these are like really detailed. So they just warn people just watch for the links, and if you are going to buy something, use your credit card. Don't use your debit card. Because if, you, if something happens, you can always just file a claim, and it's not so much pers personal information. So, yeah, they stole holiday markets. <laughs> wow, crazy. One thing I was gonna add on to your credit card versus debit card comment is that, uh, Hopefully I'm not stealing anybody else's stories. But um, I also read when we were researching for this, because I hadn't thought about this, that some of the like products you could purchase or maybe even do in a marketplace, they'll ask for you to pay in Amazon gift cards, which makes that a lot more difficult for you to like, you know, be refunded or whatever. And so make sure that you're like, um, 
you know, if you're buying stuff in person, then pay with cash when you get there. But then obviously like for these markets, if they were asking to pay with gift cards, don't like that mm -hmm. should be a red flag. So. Yeah. I could see getting taken in by this too. That's because like on the surface, you're like, why would you pay for a virtual holiday market? But like there are, real, there are like real life holiday and like craft fairs and stuff that do charge like $5 or something to get in. So like, mm -hmm. you can see it. Yeah. And I'm sure like people are really desperate just to find something to do that they're just like, oh, this could be so cool. And a lot of people like I know, like even like for what's it called? Work, like Christmas parties for work. Like you're trying to find something to do together. And so this might be something where it's like, oh, this could be fun. It's like a little market. We can't walk through, but at least we can see all the stuff. And it's like they're just taking our want to like do something <laughs> and oh. using it against us. They're exploiting it. And I feel like if they, I don't know if this is part of the marketing for these, but um, kind of like last year we talked about chain letters and how they really prey upon your like, uh, you know, sisterhood, like be a good, like whatever. Um, I don't know if like part of the idea is like if you want to support like small businesses or like independent makers and stuff, like I feel like I know I like, we'll see how successful this is, but even more so than in past years, I'm like, okay, I'm really going to try to like patronize small businesses and I do my gift shopping and like local stuff. So I could just see being like, oh, this is a good way to do that. But like still have the convenience of, and like the COVID safety of a virtual experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not so much. Thank you so much, Alicia. Great uh, story. We're scam awareness. Appreciate that. Uh, let's go to Rachel now. Okay, so my story is actually, this particular iteration of it is near and dear to my heart as someone who does spend a lot of time trying to figure out my curly hair, but it's also a much broader phenomenon. Um, but I found the story of a YouTuber who, uh, you know, is committed to the whole curly girl hair thing, and her husband had gotten her this really expensive Dyson hair dryer. Um, so it's like the Dyson Supersonic, it retails for like $400. And so it was this like extra special gift and everything. Um, and she actually used it for a good year and a half. And then it started like making weird noises, not turning on. And so she tried, you know, watching YouTube videos about how to fix it or like what the issue could be. Um, and she noticed that some things just looked kind of different on hers, like the way the filter was set up was different. Um, but she thought maybe it was just an older model. And then eventually she ended up calling Dyson to see if it was under warranty because she thought it should have been. It had only been a year and a half or something. Um, and they asked her for the serial number, which her uh, hairdryer did have. Like it had a tag with... Dyson's contact information listed on it with the serial number. Um, oh, and another thing that she had found in her just research, kind of seeing what was wrong with it, was a lot of people said like, oh, press the red button on the, the reset button on your, uh, where it plugs into the wall. And she was like, but mine didn't have one. And she showed the plug and I thought, I was like, this would be my number one red flag because I have never had a hairdryer that didn't have that like, I don't know if it's like GFCI or, but you know, like for wet areas, it has that special plug. Hers was just a regular, you know, like a lamp or like anything that you would just plug into the wall. And I was like, I feel like I, w I feel like I would have noticed that, but maybe not. Um, but everything else about it looks really good and super legit. And so when she called Dyson and read them the serial number, the woman was like, oh, this is a counterfeit. Like this isn't really one of ours. And it's something that's like pretty common. Um, 
but I just thought that was really crazy that it even had like the legit looking tag and everything. It had Dyson branding on the dryer, on like the accessories that came with it. Um, and the other crazy thing too is that, and so her husband had bought it from an eBay seller, which is kind of red flagged, but um, it was, you know, one with like a lot of good review, like a really positive rating, like seemed to have a lot of reviews and it wasn't even that cheap. Like, you know, some, a lot of times we say with these scams, like kind of the biggest warning is like, if it seems too good to be true, it probably is. But this was like slightly discounted. It wasn't one of those like, wow, I can't believe they're selling this Dyson hairdryer for $50. Um, so I feel like that can be pretty, pretty sneaky or pretty subtle. Yeah, and as good. I dug into it even more, um, cause eBay, you know, you think, well, maybe just avoid eBay for those types of items, but Walmart and Amazon are other places that this happens a lot because they both have, um, third party sellers that can also sell through them. And so you can get a lot of these, you think you, it kind of gives it more of the feeling that you're buying from like a, a known quantity or like a retailer that you're familiar with, but really you're just buying from a third party seller. Yeah, that makes me think of last year, those like crude sweaters, like ugly Christmas sweaters that were being sold on walmart.com. You don't know about it, go look it up. But. <laughs> <laughs> were they like wildly inappropriate? Highly inappropriate and uh, messed up. Um, but you could buy them on walmart.com because they allowed those third party sellers. So yeah, you definitely have to make sure that it's like a Walmart and Target. Did you say Target? Because Target does that too. Ooh, I didn't know Target did. No, Walmart and Amazon were the ones that came up a lot, but Target, that's good to know. It's crazy too. And I thought this was a really good way to put it. So the Wall Street Journal did a big uh, kind of review or uh, investigative report on this. I think it was earlier this year where they bought just like a whole bunch of items off of some of these websites and then like to see how many were counterfeit and kind of how you could tell. And um, they had a quote from someone, uh, I think in law enforcement that said, people think about shopping on these websites, like they're just going into their big box retail store, but you should really think about it as a flea market. And like that kind of puts you in the better mindset of like, what level of due diligence do I need to do? You know, what am I expecting to get out of this? And I thought that was really good because I had started to think of Amazon as almost like a big box store and it does not have the same level of vetting at all not at all uh, and i think uh you can go on amazon and see this is supplied by amazon but sold by somebody else or yeah this is made by so-and-so but bought it bought and sold from amazon so i usually try to make sure it's like sold by amazon or it's like a legit company like dyson then you could go to their website and see that it was dyson is selling it through amazon yeah, and a lot of uh, sources recommended that because I think they'll say sold by and fulfilled by. And yeah. your safest bet is to go with the ones that are both sold and fulfilled by Amazon or like you said, by the real retailer. And something else I didn't realize too is like um, certain brands like Birkenstock is one and Nike um, do not sell through Amazon anymore because they mm -hmm. have had it with kind of their um, not very good filters or the poor job they've done of keeping out counterfeiters. So that's another thing. If you're looking for like a specific brand or a product, you might just like research and see, is this, does this seller even allow their products to be sold through Amazon? Because if they don't, then this is probably not real. That's a good okay. idea. That is a really good idea. So I guess the note is um, if you're going to buy something that's like name brand, just buy it from the site. Just yeah. buy it from Dyson. <laughs> right. 
Yeah. Or, uh, or if they don't sell directly, a lot of times they'll say like, these are our, uh, you know, licensed retailers or approved retailers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. True. Yeah. That's so bad. Dryers are expensive. I know. Um, And some things can be dangerous. Like someone said, because then I saw a lot of discussion about, um, like other types of things that are commonly counterfeited and like electronics can overheat. They can electrocute you. Uh, one woman said her sister had a counterfeit Dyson hairdryer and it shot out some like hot tar like substance onto her face and burned her. Oh Um, my gosh. A lot of like high end cosmetics are really common counterfeit items too. And there, I think this was in the wall street journal one too, but there have been a couple outlets that did uh, really investigative stuff that found like heavy, like high levels of heavy metal that like would not be approved for sale in the U.S. Um, in those cosmetics like so you really need to it really made me rethink you know you're trying to find like the ultimate bargain and the internet makes it seem really easy but is it worth it if you're gonna have a burn on your face or put <laughs> lipstick that's full of mercury on your lips mm-hmm. this is <laughs> vaguely related but for a while there I saw a lot about um vitamins like people wanted oh. discounted vitamins but like the I don't know, the vendors selling them, they were like expired or they just didn't use the right ingredients and they just said that they were that thing. But a lot of people were buying their vitamins super cheap, not realizing it wasn't what it said it was. Yeah, that's super scary. We'll be right back to this interview. Hey everyone, it's Leah. If you haven't yet played the newest investigation game, Case of the Cashflow Fiasco, You are missing out! The newest game was created for a virtual environment with interactive components providing the story and evidence you need to investigate fraud against a lender by a customer. Think of a virtual escape room that also lets you earn CPE credit. The case of the cash flow fiasco conveys ethical decision points faced by a business owner when cash flow is tight and the fraud risks to creditors and vendors in the same situation. I will be hosting this 50-minute, one-hour CPE every Thursday starting November 12th at 9 a.m. Central Time, excluding Thanksgiving, of course. The cost to join and to earn CPE is $35, and for podcast listeners, you can use the code TIG for the investigation game, so TIG Podcast 2020 for 10% off. The link to register is in the show notes. I'm looking forward to seeing you there. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, Rachel, so much. You're up. Uh, My uh, topic is phishing schemes, which we've all fallen victim to, or at least received. Maybe we haven't gone through with uh, becoming a full victim. Uh, Most of my information came from CNET.com. And uh, I'm talking about phishing, spelled P-H-I-S-H-I-N-G. And it's a form of cyber attack that entices users into clicking on a link that will compromise uh, the private data on your computer. A survey done by McAfee, who creates a a virus software, reported that 41% of Americans fell victim to phishing schemes in 2019. And that is a ton. They usually arrive via email and they look harmless uh, because the people perpetrating the company will often use the real logo of the actual company. And um, I think right now it's pretty common because uh, in the holiday season, everybody's using 
FedEx and UPS. So there's a lot of shipping emails that come that look like they're from UPS or FedEx and they actually are not. So um, one thing to do is always check the actual sender address and if the address or the email address, and if that address doesn't match up with the sender's name or company they claim to represent, then you need to delete the email. Um, you can also, if you're on your desktop or a laptop, hover a preview over the link where it's claiming you need to go because then it'll list out the actual address and just make sure that looks legit. Um, unfortunately, you can't do that on your phone, uh, do the hovering thing, um, but just use your common sense. Like, have you ordered something that you know is going to be delivered by FedEx or UPS? Have you ordered something and paid for it using PayPal? Uh, you know, just to, in case, like, there are some PayPal schemes as well. Um, and also look at the to line in the email. Is it blank? Uh, because most of the time they'll use your name. Um, was the email sent to you the email you have associated with your account? I personally have different emails. Uh, and I have one that I use all the time for linking to uh, online accounts. So if that it's coming to a different email, I know it's probably not legit. Um, and then look at the salutation in the email. Is it blank or the wrong name? I get a ton of junk mail addressing me as Craig. And so as soon as I see, hello, Craig, I just delete it because obviously it's not for me. Of course, look for grammatical and spelling errors. Um, and never complete a form asking for passwords or other personal information. That's just not good uh, practice. And I have actually recently, I've been receiving a lot of phishing emails designed to look like Apple, telling me that my Apple ID is compromised. And a lot of times I'll go ahead and log into my account and see if I have an alert from in my account that it's been compromised. Or I'll look on my credit card to see if I have any charges from Apple. And if I don't, then, I'm, then I don't think it was compromised. Uh, and one thing with Apple tries to combat this, if you do receive a phishing email that's designed to look like Apple, you can send it to reportphishing at apple.com. Um, and then I just wanted to uh, also there is a quiz that Jigsaw, they're a subsidiary of Google, uh, they came up with a quiz uh, that you can take to see if you would fall for holiday scammers bait. And I actually took it and I was surprised, but I, I scored a six, or yeah, I got six out of eight. So I got two wrong, which I mean, I thought I was pretty good at uh, figuring out a phishing scheme. Uh, and we will have a link to that quiz in our show notes if you want to take it. Um, and I also came across a really great blog post by the Security National Bank of South Dakota. Um, and they kind of like go step by step through an email and like things you can look for to notice if it's uh, fake. Yeah, great job. Super thorough. Thank you. I'm going to take that quiz. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Take it too. Send it around. <laughs> I also because I always am really prejudiced. I'm like, surely only like older people who are unfamiliar with technology yeah. fall for these things. <laughs> but I thought that too, and then I got too. <laughs> 
I'm always nervous. I'm like too confident in my like abilities when it comes to email and all that. So I just kind of naturally like don't click on anything in my emails. Cause I feel like since I was a kid, I've been constantly warned, like do not click anything in your emails that you don't know. And like, I just have this like, I don't know, a little voice in the back of my head. That's like, if you click this, everything's over. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's hard to do because, um, the ones I've received, the phishing emails I've received, I mean, they have, the logo looks the same. Mm-hmm. And obviously they're probably just like cutting and pasting it into the email. So it looks like a legitimate email. It's like with the counterfeit stuff, like the packaging on some of this is so wild. Like uh, one of the articles had a picture of like two lipsticks that like one was legit and one wasn't. And I mean, you just couldn't even tell from the packaging. So mm-hmm. they're good. Yeah, while I was um, looking up stories, uh, one of the things I came across actually was close to what Megan was talking about, where people would email people who had shipped stuff like through FedEx or something, and the email would say something along the lines of like, oh, your package wasn't shipped, you have to pay this extra amount to get it to where it needs to go. Like basically telling them like, if you want it there, you're going to have to pay some more because it's stuck here, which is so so shady and i mean fedex and ups are not ever going to do that and if you ever have a question then just whoever you ordered that from that package from call them or call if you got a tracking number call ups and give them a tracking number and just verify that it's you know it's i was thinking about this this morning actually that Phishing scams are really a bummer for legitimate businesses because I know that we have sent some emails to people that are like very targeted, like, Hey, we think that this could help you. And, but at the same time, they're just as skeptical of us as we would be. of And I got an email yesterday that I thought, man, this could go either way. And I decided the address, you know, but it totally could have been legit. So if you're listening and I blocked you yesterday, I mean, not that you're going to know, but if I didn't respond, it's because I, like looked you up and I'm like, mm, this could go either way. So <laughs> it's really a bummer. So you really have to like get people in lots of different ways. So I guess um, that raises a question as a business, how do you make sure that you don't come off as a phishing scheme? Like as a business, how, like, how do you make yourself look legitimate enough for people to trust you? Well, I think for one, if, if we had an email that went out and said, Hey, go to our website and check that out. If you hovered over the link, it would be our actual website. That's true. Mm-hmm. It'd be some crazy, and because some of them will even have, uh, if you hover over the website, I'll say google.com dash, and then I'll have like another domain name. So it's really, you see Google and you're like, oh, this is Google. But really, in the rest of the address, it's not Google. So you got to pay attention to the whole thing. Um, and you can see that it's from someone with a domain name at workmanforensics.com, which is our domain name. Right. Uh, just things like that. I think a legitimate business people would recognize. Of and the quiz, all of these. the quiz that Google did, it has some legitimate email, like some that are like legit. So it kind of gives you both to try to see if you know if it's legitimate or not. Yeah. But I mean, even like this email I got yesterday, I mean, I had to go to LinkedIn and see who this guy was. And then like, I was going to have to go see what his company did and like all this stuff. And I'm like, "Eh, I don't have time for this. They're wanting stuff for me. I don't have time. (laughs) So, um, it's kind of unfortunate. Well, thank you, Megan. That was great.
Um, I'm dying I to know, do you have any idea why you get emails addressed to Craig? No, and it's so weird. And it's only to one email address. And I'll just know right away. They're always trying to sell me insurance or something random. I don't know. And they're, it's always like, hey, Craig. And I'm like, well, delete. Who is Craig? Send to spam. I know. Send to spam. I know. <laughs> Craig got associated with this email, but at least I know it's always fake. <laughs> Such a good question, Rachel. <laughs> Meanwhile, Craig's just like trying to buy some insurance and yeah. he's like, why doesn't anyone ever reach out to me? Well, it's also to my maiden name. It's the email addresses of my maiden name. So I guess it was Craig Myers out there. <laughs> okay, I'll wrap up with my story. Um, so I've been holding on to this story idea since like, I don't know, quarantine. Because during, uh, but I thought it would be a good thing to talk about at the holidays because my sister was looking to purchase like a really nice uh, coffee espresso maker. And so on Facebook one day, no, a friend sent uh, an ad to her that she had seen on Facebook and she said, oh, Sarah, I just bought one of these, they're amazing. And so Sarah goes to look at the site and she's like, yeah, they're running this great sale, which of course, because of COVID, like lots of people were running great sales. So she looks at it and for some reason she sent it to me and so we start talking about it. And I'm like, wait a second, do you think this is legit? And so we kind of started digging. And of course, if you just put like coffee maker and the brand and then scam into Google, you can find all sorts of like, like I did it today just to see if I could, you know, find stuff. And um, I found like Reddit's on it. Um, also like PayPal community has a bunch of posts about products like this. And so um, mainly a couple of things that I noticed and things that people said that they did was uh, um, like what I found interesting was that they posted their websites that they had gone to. And one of these was from a year ago, the Reddit I was looking at was from last year. And so I went to the website that had been active that supposedly had this great espresso machine and nothing exists there anymore. And then there was also um, myproducer.com. That was another one. Uh, and this uh, customer goes through quite like all of the pains that she had between PayPal and UPS and all of these things. But, um, she also like, I went to myproducer.com and it doesn't exist anymore. And so a few of the things that I read within, you know, the Reddits and the PayPal community was like checking, um, like just checking the, the website, like whatever address that they've posted as like, the location of where they're located. Like if they're a legitimate business, and I actually think that's a lot about even some legitimate companies, why don't you list your address and your phone number? Like I need, like I know you're legit because like you called me and we're working on a case, but like list your address. I mean, I guess it's, unless it's your home, but like list something uh, because if I go to a website that's selling a, an expensive juicer or coffee maker, I am not buying that. Uh, this particular person, when they, like after they'd been scammed and started looking into it, they went to the address and it was like the address of a local Walmart. So it wasn't, it wasn't even, um, even close. So just checking addresses, of course, that's super easy, super quick. So another idea that I ran by Clint, our IT consultant for just, uh, just an idea I had where you could check these web addresses is that if you go to whois.com forward slash whois, you can type in a domain. 
So you could type in myproducer.com and you can see when the domain was registered. And so if that domain was registered, like anytime real recent, I would be leery of that for sure. Um, and then honestly, like the way that I handle it every time is just type in my producer scam or, uh, you know, espresso machine, like just Google it and then put the word scam at the end. And that's how uh, I've stopped myself from buying a lot of those things. Uh, because in my case, unlike Rachel's story, uh, in these cases, these products don't exist at all. They're just simply taking your money. Those are my tips. Do Would people buy them, like, if you did purchase one and you use your credit card, could you make a claim with your credit card company? That it yeah. Was yeah, and the transaction, or the one I was reading about in PayPal, she was trying to get with PayPal because these people actually took the scheme so far that they completed all of their steps on their end to show that they shipped it to her. And so then like she had to work with UPS to prove that like this wasn't actually a legit tracking number and like all this, it was very, very complicated. Um, so that they would like carry it out to that extreme because she paid through PayPal and thinking that that would be, you know, protected and everything, but then they did that. So you can use that for good instead. <laughs> Just right? like have a real business. Yeah, like a yeah, like a legitimate business. So true. You know, um, I think it was a year ago. A friend of mine told me about uh, she had taken some gifts around this time of year to the local UPS store, and I think they asked her what was in the package, and she told them, not thinking anything of it. Of course, it's like a storefront UPS store, right? So she tells them and the gifts never make it to the people. And she just had like this weird feeling about it. And so she was starting to kind of investigate uh, because these were very expensive items and essentially like the store employees had stolen them. Oh no. Just well, as a heads up and UPS was not being cooperative on it. You can, um, just so you know, uh, they'll usually ask you because there's certain things you're not allowed to mail. I know. But yeah, so I wouldn't have thought anything of it either. I wouldn't either. But you, I've had this happen to me, and it, I was returning something, and it never made it back to the store. But when you're there, you can ask for a you know, get a tracking receipt right then. Because sometimes when you're returning something, you just kind of drop them off. Mm -hmm. But I always make sure I get a receipt to know that it's going to end up back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. That's a good idea. And um, I know Alicia had to drop off some stuff the other day that was like really high price items. And we, uh, it was, I was with my husband. He was like, you should have her record it because of this, like, <laughs> like record the whole thing when she, <laughs> but it's not a bad idea, you know, like just to prove that like I took this and I shipped it. And, um, and you know, there's been stories too of uh, another guy that my husband works with he was kind of selling some stuff over eBay and the person received the goods and then just sent the box back with like something of equal weight in it and said that he returned the high priced item to him. But it really, it was a box of rocks, like literal rocks. Wow. So, oh God. Anyway, on that note, Merry Christmas. No. <laughs> so festive. Oh, like spirit of giving and all of that. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I ho hopefully brought some awareness to some different scams for our listeners and maybe they can share it with their families if maybe they have somebody who 
tends to fall for these things. But what I love about each of these is that we've provided specific, easy ways to just go check and verify. And if you still get duped, I mean, there's usually some sort of remedy, right? But, um, and hopefully it's not like millions of dollars or anything. But um, nobody likes that feeling of being ripped off though. But anyway, well, thank you all so much. Yeah, Alicia. Sorry. I just wanted to end this on a high note really quick. So I remember on last year's Christmas episode, Rachel told us about the Santa program from the Postal Service. So I looked it up this year because I was like, oh, I want to adopt a letter. And there was none. There was none to adopt. All of them had been adopted. So. Oh, that's great. Just thought I'd let you guys know it's doing really well this year. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. That is so positive. Thank you, Elise. Appreciate that. So to all of our listeners, happy holidays. And we will be back with the, we're going to take a break. (laughs) We need a break. It's been such a long year. We're going to be back mid-January of 2021. So we wish you all happy holidays. And if you need anything in the meantime, shoot us an email. And we'd love to hear from you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. The Investigation Game Podcast is a production of Workman Forensics. For more information about the topics we discuss on each episode, please visit workmanforensics.com. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. You can also connect with us on any of the social media platforms by searching Workman Forensics. If you have any questions, comments, or topic ideas for the podcast, please email us at podcast at workmanforensics.com.